I get really excited um, to go out there and just do what we do and just play the game. And it's just so fun for me out there to make plays and, and see my teammates make plays. Uh, you know, I can't help but to celebrate. Disappointing is a mild way of putting it. I, th I mean, you could call it a nightmare, if you, you know, from what this team was expecting or hoping to accomplish to where they are right now. Viking fans, welcome to the MVP, the Minnesota Vikings podcast. I'm your host, Cy Amundsen. This is episode 68, and we are celebrating a rare win in Soldier Field. Three in a row for the Vikings, a Monday night victory against the Bears. Joining me, Chris Corso, Jay Nelson from Vikings.com. Got a fun show ahead of you guys. Linebacker Eric Wilson sits down with Chris Corso. Uh, Vikings.com Eric Smith sits down with the Cowboys reporter. Uh, but before we get there, let's – I for the last few weeks I've been saying we should jump in – you know, we should spend less time focusing on what happened and we should spend more time focusing on what's about to happen because our show comes out on Thursdays. But – I'm going to go against my own rules here, guys. A, a win. A win in Soldier Field. A, and, that, and it was the sort of game that we've lost. Time and that sort of game that plays out at that slow pace with that sort of low scoring and a few weird events with a, a kickoff return touchdown and a botched extra point. That is the game that we have lost in that building time and time again. So it felt really 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 good to get the win and Chris I'll start with you I'm gonna let you take your little Kirk Cousins victory lap here because what I've said for the last few weeks and what I said going into this game was he is going to have to step up he is not going to be able to play the same role he played against the Packers and against the Lions and he did step up I love it Cy I mean 10 of 11 on third down. That's where it mattered most. Cousins was 10 of 11 on third down. Can I repeat that to you, Cy? He, he you already did. He stepped, up, he stepped up in all the big moments. The pass to Thielen on the touchdown for the one-handed catch was in an area that only he could make that play. And then the final touchdown to Thielen was a perfect route by number 19, but the ball was also put in a place where no mistake could be made. It was probably one of the best games um, that he's had this season, that's for sure. And he didn't make the mistake. He did not make the mistake. I know there was an interception, but it, it wasn't his fault on that play. And he did the thing that he was talking about, hitting the singles, not going for the home run. The next step is taking that big shot down the field and hitting the home run. I'm glad you said that because I'm gonna call I'm gonna call how I feel about the quarterback the Kirk Cousins spectrum. Where where is his where are the expectations for Kirk landing currently on the Kirk Cousins spectrum? And the last two weeks when Dalvin Cook was kicking ass, you you go out there, you don't make any mistakes, and, and you make a few throws, and you go win this football game. We all knew that in this game, he would have to move down that spectrum a little bit. He'd have to step away from game manager into making a few throws. And, and you hit on the head there, Chris. What, what I personally think is that at some point this season, in moments where it's necessary, can and will be able to evolve into doing what he did against the Bears, who are a fantastic defense, 
on Monday night. And then also taking advantage of a few opportunities down the field and turning 292 into 370, turning two touchdowns into four touchdowns, that sort of situation, Jay. You're talking about the evolution and seeing some of those big moments. You, you got one in this game when they absolutely needed to, to keep the clock running. They needed to move the chains and they hit the 54 yarder to Justin Jefferson, right? Like that was a huge moment, not only for the entire team, but for Kirk, because that was the thing you're, you're staring down a third down. You're like, we got to get this in order to try to seal this victory. And even then it wasn't guaranteed, but when it happened, you saw him emote and go nuts on the field and kind of give the big yell. And I think for him, you can sit there and say as much as you want. You don't hear the chatter. You don't pay attention, blah, blah, blah. Those guys know what everybody says. And, you know, the 0 and 9 and all that kind of stuff, you're getting some of these monkeys off your back and you're able to get the confidence and the team is on a roll and they're winning. And you can ride a guy like Delvin for so far, but you're going to have to have Kirk step up in those big moments and to hit those kind of passes. And if we get to the point now where we, we're, we're talking about we're doing the the base level stuff and now we're going for the home run. That is great because you're getting to the point now at the back end of the season where all of this stuff has to come together in order to have long-term success and hopefully make a run for the playoffs yet. Well, let me, let me place this, uh, this spectrum conversation onto a different player that you mentioned. Let's talk about Justin Jefferson here because obviously both receivers had uh, nice games. Justin Jefferson had a, really, really nice game. Eight catches for 135 yards. But the number that stood out to me was targets, 10 targets. We go in to play the most difficult defense that we've seen. The, I, this, this is the best front seven. They put pressure on the ball. This is a very good defense. And, and Justin Jefferson goes out and gets 10 targets. That tells me a couple of things. One, in a very important moment against a very good defense, we trusted the bulk of our offensive threat to a rookie who's growing week in and week out. By comparison, Thielen and Rudolph combined only put 12 targets on the board. And, and, and just for a further, uh, to, uh, some, some further backstory, this isn't an organization that has high target rates compared to the rest of the league with their top receiving targets with like a lot of the other run oriented teams the Patriots etc you wind up with your leading target getter averaging about five five and a half this year it's a little high with Thielen at about seven but that's a little abnormal last year I think Diggs was our leading target getter and he was in that five five and a half range by comparison when you see what Diggs is doing out in Buffalo he's getting 10 a game out there that's 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 a more pass-oriented, light-up-the-scoreboard offense. To bring it all the way back to Justin Jefferson, this is a rookie who, in an offense that normally doesn't put up that many targets to individual guys, put them up to him in an important, in an important game. And, and what it shows me is, as we need Kirk to step up and do what he's – this is a guy who's going to be able to carry more of the load. And as much as I love Dalvin Cook, as much as I, I want to focus on pounding the ball and, and time of possession, it's never going to upset me if Justin Jefferson gets 10 targets. If Justin Jefferson gets 10 targets, he's probably whooping your ass up and down that field, Chris. Kirk Cousins has the number one yards per completion in the NFL for quarterbacks and a big reason why is Justin Jefferson and the yards after catch which you saw on that 54 yard play it seemed like in this game side I'm just building off of what you were talking about 
it seems like Jefferson was the target when you're trying to go down the field and make the plays, and Thielen was the target in the red zone. Every time we were in the red zone, you heard Lewis Riddick say on the broadcast, oh, this is Adam Thielen's zone. Two seconds later, Adam Thielen makes a one-handed catch in the end zone. They said the same thing when he had the second time. Oh, here, here we are, back in Thielen's red zone. So it, it'll be interesting to track that going forward with Cousins, the way he kind of targets each of those two players. But I think the combination right now, it worked well with Diggs and Thielen. I never could have imagined how well the combination of Jefferson and Thielen has been meshing. I mean, the thing with Jefferson was always, oh, he's just a slot receiver. That's all he did in college at LSU. I mean, this guy can do it all. Well, and that was, you know, we keep hearing that conversation. I mean, that was a lot to do with Joe Brady's offense and what Joe Brady wanted to do with that unit. I I think he was able to win on the outside. It was just doing what worked for them as they went to go try to win a national championship. And it's just, we say it week in and week out. I sound like a broken record, but he's doing it all over the field. You know, he he took a Kirk Cousins slant and turned it into a 14-yard gain and, and basically muscled four Chicago Bears defenders to the end of the play. And it's, it's making those plays and those being capable of being a, a short yardage threat like that, that then, you know, after the Delvin Cook holding call, he can get deeper on a crossing route and bust for a 54-yard game. I just everybody's all over him right now with all this praise and it's deserved because he's just a threat in so many ways. And that's why I was freaking out about the targets. I think that's such a positive sign. If you got a guy that's as scary as Delvin cook and you have a stud in Adam Thielen and all of a sudden you have this, this game breaker that you can put 10 to 12 targets on. If that's the way the game needs to go, that's really exciting. Jay. In 2019, it's pick your poison, right? Is it a Thielen? Is it a Diggs? Who are you going to cover? Who's your top guy going to be on? And now you're you're getting back to that stage again of you have legitimately at least three top tier in the league targets that you can focus on. And the best part is it's not just you. It's everybody across the board in the league talking about Jefferson. You've got Hall of Famers tweeting out with you know, uh, uh, Sharp was, was all over him saying this kid's the best rookie wide receiver in the entire league. I can tell you right now, even just in talking to uh, the the Dallas Cowboys reporter when Eric Smith was doing his stuff, they were talking about how glad they were that we we got him instead of Philly, who is one pick ahead of us, just because of the nightmare that he proposes for everybody. So I think Justin Jefferson right now with the rookie campaign he's on, the fact that, that he just tied Randy Moss's record for four 100-yard games in a rookie season, all of that kind of stuff is showing you that the confidence is there from your quarterback. The confidence is there from Gary Kubiak. And now the confidence has got to be there for Justin Jefferson as well, who's putting in these kind of performances. And it, the best part for us is you're looking at this saying, this is year one. And what does this mean? Not only for this year, but for all of the years to come, it, it's really exciting. The, we knew going into this game that the Chicago bears offense was in trouble. They had struggled mightily coming into this one and they were without their star running back we knew they were going to have a difficult time yet and still you can only accomplish the task that you are asked to accomplish and for the Vikings to go out and keep this offense out of the end zone Patterson might have got in but the offense didn't to keep them out of the end zone to have the Bears bring the ball onto the Viking side of the 53 times and only come away with three points on those three possessions. They did 
everything that was asked of them. And given where we were in weeks one through five, it's, it's incredible. It's, it's so exciting as a Viking fan. Yeah, and you'll hear this from Eric Wilson later on in the show, but I've been focusing on the pass rush and the cornerbacks because those are the two positions where we have those young players that we're tracking each and every week to see the progression of a DJ Wanham, see the progression of a Chris Boyd. I, I, I noted that heading into the game. Chris Boyd was going to be a huge player in this game guarding Allen Robinson. I'm going to, I'm going to jump in. I got a question for you, Corso. Are we getting to the point where when people start coming back, yeah. Chris Boyd might have capitalized on an opportunity here and is going to have to be in the conversation for that position, regardless of who's healthy on this roster. A hundred percent. And that, that was the matchup that I said uh, heading into this game was so big. And he, I mean, those guys played great. Him and Gladney, you see, you see Gladney make a huge play at the end of the game when, when we needed him the most. I mean, it's it's all coming together. The pass rush helps the coverage of these young of these young defensive backs, and of course, you have those two linebackers in the middle that are doing just about everything from pass rushing to coverage to to, to everything that you need from Eric Wilson in the middle, along with Eric Kendricks. And the safeties are are the the coaches out on. They really are like like coaches for Mike Zimmer out on the field. So when as these cornerbacks and and young pass rushers are starting to come along it's like the whole unit is is cohesive in the past three weeks and that's what Ben Lieber has been has been harping on week after week is when you have a DJ Wanham a Chris Boyd a Jeff Gladney when you when you have those guys come along everything else is just working I mean it really is and it's and it's really fun to see and Zimmer Zimmer schemed so well for this game you know, in between a few exotic blitzes and just bringing regular pressure when it was necessary. Foles was under pressure on nine out of his 11 third and fourth down plays. I mean, that is, that is a number that wins you a football game. One of the things that stood out and people have been pointing it out is the threat of the pressure. It didn't even have to come at Foles. The threat of pressure was screwing up all of their protections all night long. You had Eric uh, Kendricks, you know, mugging the A-gap looking like he's going to shoot. And then when all of a sudden everything comes in, he bails out to go into coverage. But the lineman thinks he's got to hit get Kendricks because Kendricks is quick. And all of a sudden, everybody else is running right by him. It it was just even the threat of pressure was screwing up their offensive line all night. And, you know, the best part for me was seeing your Hercules Mata'afa, who, who had struggled a little bit earlier in the season, now being put in that, that pass rusher uh, position. Defensive seeing end. guys like him. Yeah, seeing him and DJ Wanham, seeing those younger guys being able to get their shot, and and even Afadi, you know, he was uh, in the backfield a couple times too. And it's seeing those young guys, like you're saying, Corso, seeing that pass rush coming together, it it just wreaked havoc not only for Foles uh, but for the rest of the team because we knew that their running game was was basically not a thing for the evening. And if that's the case, and you tell Zimmer that, it's going to turn into pressure all night long, and just to see if Foles could handle it, and it and not only falls, but that offensive line for Chicago struggled all night long. All right, we, we do have to, before we move on, we have to talk about the one negative. I know we're excited about the win. I know we don't, we don't get wins in Chicago very often, but we can't walk away from this game without discussing the special teams. Chris, a really rough night overall for the unit after a really rough week last week in Detroit. It's, it's been two weeks in a row. You have two weeks ago, you have two punts that are blocked, and that is when one punt gets blocked, it's inexcusable. And 
in this game, it just continued. I mean, it happened in every single phase of special teams. It happened in covering the kick with Cordell Patterson doing exactly what we all knew he was going to do against his former team. And it happened uh, when Dan Chisena, as a gunner, runs down the field and has a perfect opportunity to down the Bears at the one and steps his back foot on the, on the line. Like, that's your job on this team. To, to make that play. And that play is a huge turn in a game where the Vikings were completely shutting down the offense for the Bears, as we talked about already. And when these special teams blunders happen, I, I mean, they're game changers. And you see Mike Zimmer lose it on the sideline. I, I think the accountability has to be, it has to come from everybody. I mean, Mike Zimmer, he's probably sitting in those special teams meetings this week. I can promise you that. And, and it happened on Austin Cutting, on, on, the, on the long snapper, on an extra point, which that's a play where the Vikings could go up seven points. Instead, they go up six and have to play defense for the, for the lives of them. And, and one play to Anthony Miller could have caused us to lose that game. So these things have to get fixed. There's no excuse for them. That, that's the biggest thing. There's no excuse for them. And if they don't get fixed, it's going to cost us a big game down the line. Now, and Chris, I'm going to lean in a little bit on a guy we like a lot on this show, Dan Chisena. We all, it was such a great story in training camp. You know, we were excited when he made the team. We, you know, when a guy makes that sort of, that sort of noise in camp where they're willing to switch positions just to make sure they can roster him in theory, uh, that's a guy you're excited about. He, he was great on this show. Monday was a really rough night for him. And it, I think everybody's focusing on his goal line awareness and downing that punt, which is a, you said it, that's your one job here. It is a crucial, crucial mistake. You had one job. <laughs> I've, I've said this before. I don't know. I'm not a guy who sits and breaks down film. I am fortunate that one of my good friends uh, has been a, a division one college football coach for a long time and started with the special teams unit. And I used to coach basketball and I remember him telling me, and he was a, a basketball coach in the summer times. He worked with some AAU stuff. That's how I got to know him. And he, uh, he explained to me a couple of like things that were so similar. And the one thing that always stuck with me was how you, you close out and break down. When you're a basketball player, if you're rotated on defense and the ball swings around the arc and your guy gets it out on the three-point line, you can't just fly out there, stick your hand in the air and try to block a three, or he's going to pump fake and embarrass your ass, right? It's the, so what you, it's the closeout. You sprint out, you take a stutter step, you split your legs and you get low. So no matter what he does, you're prepared uh, for, for anything. It's the same concept with punt gunners. If the, if the ball is punted to your side of the field and you are the primary guy coming down on, you can't come down and play hero ball. You can't come down and try to knock him into the next world or force a muffed punt. Your primary role there has, if you can make a great tackle and stop him where he's at, absolutely. But you can't put yourself in a position where you're off balance trying to make a hero play and he shakes you and he's gone. The same thing happened in the Cordero Patterson return. And Cordero does this thing where Cordero, Cordero can hook at 90 degree angles where he'll come out of the end zone and he'll just crank right at almost 90 degrees. And you're like, oh, sh 
He's going all the way. And then boom, just another one immediately. And he shoots right through you. And when he made that move and Dan was out of position, it doesn't matter what the rest of these guys do. When he, when he gets busted there, everybody else's angle's gone. And when you're dealing with somebody like Cordero Patterson, who is Hall of Fame level, you're dead. You know, we saw the argument on the sideline. We saw the tweets. So I think everybody is acting like the Vikings special teams unit is a flaming ship that's about to sink. And my point with bringing all this up is it's that simple with special teams. When you got a, a bunch of guys racing down the field at full speed trying to do their job, it's that simple. When you have one guy overplay and somebody else can't correct for it, things can go the wrong way in a hurry. So I'm not at this place where I'm nightmare concerned about our entire unit after these two weeks. That, that was both frustrating to see and also gave me hope that we like Dan. I would assume that that is not going to be, I don't think that's been a thing all year. I don't think it'll continue to be a thing. Uh, My hope is that that corrects itself and, you know, I don't know what the hell to say about the, the cutting snap. A guy, a guy who was out for it's, you know, that was, that was a tough mistake. But As long as it's a mirage, not a trend, right? As long as this is, this is a week-to-week thing and there's, there's small things that can be corrected, like you said. You know, it might be just a guy had a bad night. It might be something where they can use it as a teachable moment, especially for a guy who's, what, 11, 10 weeks into to his NFL career. But I, th- I think what it really turns into for me with this stuff is, you had two back-to-back games where it, it seems squirrely, and the hard part is we're we're playing on some of these games where the the margin of error is super thin, and so it just amplifies that stuff even more. And when it comes down to the end of the game, and you're looking at that that one extra point, or you're looking at the fact that it was the the touchdown because the offense and defense played so well, I think as Zimmer said when they asked him at the end of the game, you know, are these guys giving you, you know, sleepless nights and, and giving you some gray hairs? And he said yes it's definitely something that is on top of mind for those guys that they'll definitely pay attention to this week. So I just, as long as it doesn't turn into something where you just start, start gripping so tight and thinking about it too much. Um, hopefully they can just correct these small minor pieces and, and make it a, a one week thing instead of making it a, a rest of the season thing. So I have faith in the coaching staff and the players to clean that stuff up and we'll get another crack at it here on Sunday versus Dallas. Yeah. To me, because it doesn't feel like I, I point all that out and I'll now say it doesn't feel like you have a kicker with the yips. You know, when you have a kicker who's shanking important kicks, you just sit around all season waiting for the important shoe to drop that, that, that ruins, uh, ruins an important game. To me, this is a guy who, you know, like I said, just overplayed a bit. That was where a lot of the issues came from in terms of coverage. And, and like Corso said, the downing the punt. And those are correctable. Those are teachable. Those are fixable. Those don't feel like uh, our kickers missed seven 43-yarders this season, and now he has to hit a 42-yarder to win a playoff game. It doesn't feel like that. It, it, it's, it's why, as frustrating as that was to feel, it's why I'm not sounding the alarms that some people on Twitter are. Download Vikings Now, the team's connected TV app, to watch all of your favorite Vikings programming on your Apple TV, Roku, or Amazon Fire TV. Search Vikings Now with any compatible device to begin watching videos.
Watch full episodes of TV shows such as Vikings Game Plan and Vikings Connected, plus digital programming like The Voyage. Also watch game highlights, player and coach press conferences, and much more. It's vikings.com slash ctv for info. Dallas Cowboys. This, this is We talked about this. You got the win you needed to get. You got the win you wanted to get. Now let's get some wins that everybody says we're supposed to get. Andy Dalton is, is, looks like he's going to be back and he's going to be ready to play. I, I'm never the guy who's like, this is a team you're going to beat. This is, this is a bad team. That's, that's nonsense in the NFL. But this is a matchup that should bode well for what the Vikings are doing right now. And I think it's also kind of a – their defense hasn't been strong. I don't think that's a surprise to anyone. So a lot of the things you've been doing on offense, you, you got to be really excited – to be able to kind of – we were talking about pick your poison. The other team, they're like, who are you going to stop? This week we might get to pick the poison that we feed them. You know, that, that, that's, that's the sort of situation we have in front of us here. I think the, the, the more interesting thing is if Dalton does play, he's not a bad quarterback. He's an NFL veteran. They have weapons all over the field. And it'll be interesting to see how the defense stacks up, Jay. Yeah, and I think, like you just said, you know, the Andy Dalton factor is the huge factor in my mind. You know, between Ben DiNucci and Garrett Gilbert, they have not done hardly anything to light the world on fire here. Dalton is is the one piece that could come in here and, and be the X factor because, as we've talked about in the past, it is the most important position on the team. And I think once you saw Dak Prescott, you know, fall away, he was the thing that was making up for the mistakes they had on defense. So I think for Dallas, if if – Andy Dalton's back. At least it gives them a little shot in the arm and some juice to, to know that they have somebody back there who, who has the chance and the potential to have a big game. But even then, you know, the last couple times we've played him, he hasn't had that great a game against us. And I think uh, Zimmer knows where, where all of the warts are potentially in his game just from his years in Cincy. So I, I'm thinking that if you're the Vikings defense right now, like you said, you kind of get the pick of the poison to give him. And and again, for Dallas, if, they, if you can make them one-dimensional and make them be forced to have to run, then it completely changes the defensive scheme and what you can do to lock them down. So similar, similar to before, if you can take Dallas and, and uh, make them one-dimensional like we did in Chicago, then you should be able to control that game. Now, weeks one through five, the Cowboys were putting 32 points a week on the board. Prescott was all over. I saw a statistic where Dak Prescott is still ahead of multiple starting quarterbacks in terms of total yardage, and he hasn't played for you know four or five weeks here now. Week six through nine, they've only averaged 10.25 points a game. Uh, I, neither of those are numbers that matter to me. They're obviously not going to be who they were with Dak Prescott out there, and I don't buy into this – 10 points a game number if Andy Dalton is back because there's just a lot of weapons out there and a thing I'm always saying to Chris on and off the air is like I don't want these I don't want to see DJ Wanham stop a third string running back on second down I want to see DJ Wanham and Afadi and guys who have to contain the run I want to see him do it against Zeke Elliott you know these young corner we were talking about Chris Boyd early in the show like is this guy is he really making a name for himself and and making a case for keeping this job regardless of what happens well I want to see what happens against Amari Cooper and CD Lamb and and Michael Gallup so it I think it I think you won't see the dismal performance that you've seen the last few weeks. And I think it's an opportunity a little bit to see how some of these improvements stack up against a little higher end talent from a skill position standpoint than maybe we saw this past week, Chris. 
they have a lot of talent at their skill positions. And as an as a Amari Cooper fantasy owner, I can tell you that he has not been producing the way he has early on in the season with Dak Prescott, uh, with these rookie quarterbacks like Ben DiNucci and, and Andy Dalton and, and the other one who who even knows who he is at this point. But, yeah, he has not been producing in the way that he was Cooper earlier. Rush. Thank you, Cooper Rush. He has not been producing the way he was earlier in the season, and the same goes for the rest of the wide receivers. So if I'm Mike Zimmer, I am keying in on Ezekiel Elliott, and I am stopping him. I am not letting him beat us because this Cowboys offensive line is not the Cowboys offensive line of years past. It's more like – the Bears offensive line, who we played this past week, they're roughed up They w- between COVID and injuries, and it's just not the same offensive line. Zeke Elliott has not had the success as he's had, and I'm, I'm going at the running back. I'm stopping him, and I'm making Andy Dalton beat me through the air. They've turned the ball over an absurd amount of times. They're <laughs> minus 13 on turnovers, eight interceptions, 12 lost fumbles, uh, they've only caused seven. This is a situation, Jay, where in addition to what Chris is saying, you got to be punching and ripping at the ball every single opportunity you get. I mean, 12 lost fumbles? Yeah, that's amazing. Might as well be a 1,000. That's so many. Yeah, and I think part of it too is if you have a new head coach with a new offensive coordinator and new staff and now you're dealing with a new quarterback – you're all thinking about that kind of stuff. And now all of a sudden you're adding this on top of it. It drastically changes your margin of error for the, for the Cowboys. And it's the thing that, that they've been talking about down in Dallas is this was supposed to potentially be a Super Bowl challenging squad with a Dak Prescott and all of the talent we just talked about and adding CD lamb, you know, they've completely fallen off the rails. They've had these minus 13 for their turnover ratio. And I don't know any team at this point going into week 11 with a minus 13 that would have a chance at having super success. And so, I mean, if you can start getting picks or start ripping at the ball and causing Zeke to have a multi-fumble game again, like that is the recipe for disaster for, for Dallas. And it just gets in their head even more than they have been. Sai, you worked for ESPN. I want to see... I want to see Stephen A. Smith give us some kind of gif or whatever the heck he puts on Twitter after the Cowboys lose. I want to see that this week because they still believe that they have a chance to make the playoffs. In this well, they're in, the N- they're, they're in the NFC East. Exactly, and I want to see – They probably do. What, are they not in the playoffs right now? <laughs> they're very close. I have Giants fans, friends, being from New York, who are all on the hype train at 2-7. and seven. So, I mean, this division... They, and people from New York are so cool. They don't need that much. They really don't. Out of the years of, of disappointment in, in every football team they've had for the best 20 years, they do not need that much. But, um, yeah, I want to see Stephen A. Smith put something funny on Twitter. I will, I will add that um, to the Vikings.com top tweets article if we win this game. Eric Wilson... Fourth year out of the University of Cincinnati has definitely embraced his larger role with the 2020 defense, and he embraced the opportunity to sit down with uh, a guy who is randomly taking shots at Stephen A. Smith, Chris Corso here. Uh, Let's transition out of game talk into Chris's interview with Eric Wilson. Uh, Take it away, Chris. What is up, Vikings fans? Welcome back to the Minnesota Vikings podcast, and we have the stud 
linebacker <laughs> Eric Wilson, who had a huge game on Monday night against Nick Foles and the Chicago Bears. What's going on, man? What's up? What's up? I need you to break down the six-yard loss sack on Nick Foles because it was such a big play in the game, and you continue each and every week to make big plays for this Vikings defense. Yeah, um, that was a that was a great play, uh, big play for our team and our defense. Um, you know, to take momentum of, of the game into our favor. Um, yeah, we, we we dialed up a blitz against him, and and he was he was right there. It opened up it opened up pretty big, and um, their old lineman you know tried to reach back for me, and and Nick Foles is right there. Nick Foles is actually he's a he's a big person. He's actually a big person, and. But I got him down. I literally just just pushed him down. It was just funny, and he, and he went down. It was awesome. It was awesome. It was a big play. So when I found out that you were joining us for the show, I have to ask you, I watched the game on a, on a broadcast on TV now because we're not allowed to all travel with you guys. And the best part of watching the game on the broadcast was hearing the cameras and the mics pick you up after all the big plays because I just hear you scream, let's go! And you're just getting all hyped out there. So I, I need you to explain the intensity that you played with on Monday night. Yeah, you know, uh, each and every game, you know, I, I get really excited um, to go out there and just do what we do and just play the game and play the game like I know how, uh, play the game, you know, like we train so hard to do. And, you know, I work uh, so hard to get better each and every week. And, um, yeah, it's just so fun for me out there to make plays and, and see my teammates make plays. Uh, you know, I can't help but to celebrate. There's a lot of young players on this defense, and it's crazy to think you've become one of the veterans on the defense along with Eric Kendricks, and you have Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris. Those are like the, the core four who have been here and who are not injured this year. So what do you guys bring to all these young players, like the, the pass rush, the cornerbacks? So many young players on this roster. What do you bring to those guys, and what have you tried to teach them? Uh, you've been a part of so many successful Vikings defenses over the years. I think what's important is to to let them know, like they're if they're playing right now, like they can do whatever it is that we need them to do, and they need to just have confidence and trust the techniques that the coaches teach. Um, you know that, that we practice each and every day, that they practice on their own. Trust the technique and just go out there and do it and have fun doing it and, and play full speed and and not think too much. And you know I think. We've been doing that, that and um, I think our younger players have, have gotten so much better in all facets of uh, the DBs, um, linebackers, and uh, the D-line. They've gotten so much better, and they're, they're making plays now, and they're having fun doing it, so it's fun to watch. We were talking before the show, and you joined us on Under Center with Kirk Cousins a few weeks ago, and it was right after the Seattle loss by one point, which was almost like a, I, it, it seemed like you guys really started to pick it up in that game especially from a defensive side of the ball against Russell Wilson. Since then, you talked about how you were learning how to win in that game. The young guys were learning how to win. Since then, you guys have rolled off three wins in a row. So I think you were on to something when you said that. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, I think it's really important for us to, to not only know uh, what to do in order to do our jobs to win, but to, to know how to, to how to create that culture and that habit of winning you know, and, and winning each and every play and, and get comfortable with winning and doing the right things to, to keep that going and, and um, you know, not get too selfish knowing when to, to do your job and let your teammate make the play. And, and when the play is there for you to make it, go make the play um, in, in any facet of the game. And I think, um, you know, offensively, uh, defensively, 
And on special teams, I think, you know, we've done uh, a really well, good job uh, on offense and defense. And, and even still, we can be better uh, on offense and defense, and especially special teams. Like, we can get better still. We're doing a good job, and we can still get better. What are your expectations for the rest of the season? Do you feel the tide changing here? Do you feel a playoff run coming? Um, definitely, definitely. I think our team is really talented. And, you know, even um, like people have seen on these games that we've won, They've seen um, what we can do and how talented our team is. And, you know, I've seen from the earlier in the season, like how good that we were. And, and you know, some, sometimes it comes down to a couple of plays and we have to be great on those couple of plays. Uh, no matter when it is in the game, no matter who we're playing, where we're playing, how many fans in the stands, uh, we can win. And, you know, I have confidence in myself and in my team. Everyone hears about Mike Zimmer and, and his impact on this Vikings defense, but your linebackers coach, Coach Adam Zimmer, obviously Mike Zimmer's son. He's more of a quiet type than his dad. But can you talk about what his his impact has been on your career? Because I know he he has spoken highly of you since finding you uh, out of the University of Cincinnati as as an undrafted free agent. So what what kind of impact has he had on your career? Um, you know, I think he's he's I definitely know he's taught me a lot just about the game and in the different uh, areas of just playing linebacker and, and knowing what the D-line's doing in front of me and know how to play off of them and knowing how my play can affect the DBs behind me and, and how we all play together. And, um, you know, it's really important, um, you know, to know what to do. And, you know, it can sound so simple, but there's a lot of moving parts in football and especially what offenses try to do uh, nowadays. And, and, and it's just really important to know what to do. And he's taught me a lot. and. Um, just having that communication uh, with guys like EK and, and Harry, you know, they do a great job of communicating and, you know, we've gotten a, a lot better on that and just, just being leaders out there. One of the things that's really stood out to me this year is you've been making plays in every single way. Did you know that you're the only NFL player with at least three interceptions and three sacks this year? <laughs> I, I did. I think, I think, um, I forgot who texted me, but yeah, someone someone let me know after the game. A couple of people let me know. Um, you know, I think that's awesome. I, I think it's it's really um, a good uh, accomplishment to to be able to have that uh, type of stat. But um, you know, I'm not I'm not uh, content with with that. I, you know, I still uh, can get better, do better, and and be better, and even do better than that. So I'm excited. That's awesome, man. Well, looking forward at the Dallas Cowboys. It looks like Andy Dalton is going to be the starting quarterback this week. What do you see from this Dallas Cowboys offense? You're going against all the quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Matt Stafford. Now it's Andy Dalton and this different Dallas Cowboys offense than last year. Um, I think they, they have a good offense. They have a lot of great players, uh, dynamic players. Um, you know, they're, they're fast. Um, they're physical. Um, I think they're just dynamic, and, um, you know, we can't, um, I guess, relax in any way, regardless of who we're facing. And, you know, Andy Dalton, you mentioned Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton's, uh, I think, a good, good quarterback. Um, he could do a lot of different things. Uh, he's got arm talent. He knows football. And, um, you know, they got Ezekiel Elliott. He's a great running back. And they have some playmakers on the outside. So we have to be ready for anything and, and be ready to defend. Did you know that the Pro Bowl voting has, has started for, for players like yourself? <laughs> Let's go. I, I'm excited. I'm excited. Make your claim right now to make the Pro Bowl because I got some stats I could start rolling off. Yeah, yeah, no, I really, I hope I make the Pro Bowl. That's, that's a great accomplishment. I hope 
uh, a lot of players on my team make the Pro Bowl. I think that we are uh, talented in, in all facets of our, our team, and, you know, I think we, you know, work for it. Well, I love it. Eric Wilson making his bid for the Pro Bowl, coming in as an undrafted free agent, and now a few years later, he's making big plays and screaming, let's go, after sacking Nick Foles. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> Thank you, man. That was awesome. Yeah, thanks. Vikings Connected is a lighthearted look at the Vikings players and organization through social media, as well as a platform to showcase the big-time personalities on the team. Segments include fan favorites such as Skull, LOL, Purple Pups, and The Hot Dish, plus new additions like History Lessons featuring comedian and diehard Vikings fan, Cy Amundsen. Returning for a seventh season, our co-hosts Aaron Newberg and Chris Hockey from KFAN and the wildly successful, highly touted Power Trip Morning Show. Catch this thing weekly, KMSP Fox 9 or Fox Sports North or via the Vikings digital and social channels, including Vikings.com, the Vikings mobile app, Vikings Now, the team's connected TV app, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter information vikings.com slash connected thanks to eric wilson for the time and chris for the interview hey just a reminder it's game day any day play the new vikings scratch game from the minnesota lottery with a top prize of a hundred thousand dollars are you game just say i'm in get more details at mnlottery.com We go from a Chris Corso interview now over to an Eric Smith interview as Eric was able to sit down with his Dallas Cowboys counterpart to talk about this weekend's matchup. I'm Viking team reporter Eric Smith and I am now joined by David Hellman of the Dallas Cowboys to preview our week 11 game Sunday at U.S. Bank Stadium. David, thank you for joining. How's it going today? It's going lovely, man. I wish I was I wish I was coming up this weekend, but you know, we all we all gotta do what we gotta do in these quote COVID times, I guess. Yeah, it's definitely been a weird year for all of us and it it I think it's been a little bit of a of a disappointing season, I think, so far for Dallas. You know, the Cowboys sit at two and seven on the season, you know, uh probably a little a little different than what they expected nine games in for a team that had high hopes a couple months ago. And one thing that has stood out to me is obviously the Cowboys have just been ravaged by injuries so far. Which one of those has been the toughest to overcome? You know, Dak Prescott obviously comes to mind first, but for you, is there another name that stands out? Yeah, I mean, disappointing is a mild way of putting it. I I mean, you could call it a nightmare if you wanted to, Uh, you know, from what this team was expecting or hoping to accomplish to where they are right now. Um, I mean, Dak Prescott is is the obvious one. The guy was, I mean, he was playing at an insane level. And it's very obvious now that he's gone just how much work that he was doing. Um, But he's definitely not the only one. That's the crazy thing about this season. I mean, the list of injuries goes on and on. you know, Lyle Collins is a he's a Pro Bowl caliber right tackle. He didn't play a single snap for this team. Uh, he got, you know, it, it was obvious in training camp that he was probably going to spend most of the year on IR. And then Tyron Smith, who, you know, is a Hall of Fame caliber left tackle, uh, you know, they got two games out of him. So not only do you not have your quarterback, but you don't really have the anchors of your offensive line either. And, um, you know, if you're not going to have Dak, you would like to have that type of protection for Andy Dalton and the other quarterbacks that have played behind him. 
one bright spot that I've seen from the Cowboys so far this season would be rookie wide receiver CeeDee Lamb. It seems like he's making a pretty solid impact so far. And he'll be one of two, you know, really good rookie wide receivers on the field Sunday. Obviously, the Vikings have Justin Jefferson. Um, what sort of uh, two-part question here? What sort of the Cowboys plan for Jefferson? And then with Lamb, where has he kind of made the the biggest impact so far? Well, I'll start with CD. I just, you know, you set it up pretty perfectly. I I feel terrible for CD Lamb because when you think about his career to this point, you know, the guy got to play with Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray. And, you know, Jalen Hurts might not have been the number one overall pick, but he was, you know, he's a pretty good college quarterback in his own right. He's playing for the Eagles now. And then he goes straight from that into playing with Dak Prescott. So, like, the guy's been playing with all-stars for basically his entire big-time football career. And now he's almost kind of become an afterthought. And it's through no fault of his own. The Cowboys haven't had good quarterback play. Their offensive line hasn't been able to protect the quarterback long enough to throw the ball. So, I mean, CD was on a historic pace when Dak was healthy and uh, his, his season has kind of fallen by the wayside. So he said it himself a couple weeks ago that, you know, this season is going to be a test of his character and a chance for him to really mature as a player because, you know, he's probably just, he's just not going to get the ball as reliably as he's been used to for the last four or five years. And I think that's, that's just something that he's going to have to fight through. And like, like he said, use it as an opportunity to grow Um, as far as, you know, and, and obviously Justin Jefferson CD started out so strong and it's almost like Justin Jefferson kind of took the baton as like the hot shot, hot shot rookie this season, which it's been very fun to watch as an LSU alum. Uh, But it's, it's going to be a fun matchup on Sunday because Trayvon Diggs, who's the Cowboys rookie corner, uh, he broke his foot. He's, he's not going to be able to play. Shidobe Awuzie, who is their, you know, kind of the veteran corner of this group, he's been out with a hamstring injury for six weeks, and his first game back will be Sunday. And, uh, hey, welcome back to the league, buddy. you got to go cover the hottest in the league right now. So that's going to be a really interesting matchup, and, you know, we'll find out very quickly how good Cheeto's hamstring feels because if he's not 100%, I have a feeling Justin Jefferson's going to have himself a nice day. You mentioned the injuries on defense. You know, that it's been an up-and-down year for that unit as well. I think heading into this game, they rank last and, and points allowed per game at, at 32.2. Have injuries been the struggle there? Has it been poor play? And, and, and who's the guy that the team is kind of counting on to maybe help turn the tide a little bit? I, you're being very nice, and I appreciate that. I don't, I don't know if up and down would really – I mean, it's just been down. It's been, it's been a nightmare year for the Dallas defense. And I think it's a little bit of everything – you can, you can probably point to injuries. You know, they lost – they signed Gerald McCoy in the offseason. They didn't get a single snap out of him. He tore his quad in training camp. Uh, Leighton Vander Esch broke his collarbone in the season opener. And then, you know, they've had injuries all over their secondary. Cheeto Awuzier, I already mentioned him. Anthony Brown spent some time on injury reserve. And now they're, they're promising rookie Trayvon Diggs looks like he might be out for the rest of the year. So there have been injuries, but at the same time – Injuries don't really do justice to what we've seen. I mean, this is a team that was allowing 35 points a game for a solid month. They let the Cleveland Browns rip off 307 rushing yards on them back in October. So, I mean, they have had some really, really atrocious performances. Uh, Washington ran for 200 yards on them, which Washington is one of the worst offenses in football. So, um, I think it's been a combination of injuries – The front office probably didn't do a very good job of evaluating free agent talent uh, this past spring. And then on top of that, I think it's taken these guys 
a really long time to adjust to Mike Nolan's scheme. So they played really, really well against Pittsburgh. I'm very interested to see if they can do it again against Dalvin Cook. I think that's going to be a huge challenge. Um, if I'm looking at somebody who's going to pick it up, you know, Demarcus Lawrence is the obvious one. Anytime you have a $100 million defensive end on the, on the roster, you're looking to him to spark things. And then these Cowboys linebackers, you know, Leighton Van Der Esch was injured for much of the beginning of the season, and, and Jalen Smith has really had a, a down year. And, um, you know, if, if, the, if the defense is going to be significantly better, those two linebackers are going to need to play great over these last seven weeks. I mean, there's really no way to sugarcoat it based on what you've said. It's been a it's been a tough season in Dallas, you know, and like we said earlier, they they sit at two and seven, but somehow, some way, they're within striking distance in the NFC East. The Eagles lead that at three five and one, so I know they're you know a, a couple games back right now. What makes you think Dallas has a chance to to get hot and be a playoff team? Is that, is, is that a possibility? I mean, you can't rule it out. And, you know, a lot of Cowboy fans kind of scoff when you say that because it's been it's been really ugly here for about six weeks. But, I mean, it's it's a terrible division. There's no way around it. And I actually – I think this Vikings game is going to be a really great litmus test for just how good this team can be. Because uh, I think the Vikings are really similar, obviously – uh, you know, disappointing season based on what they were probably expecting. They're sitting on a losing record right now, but the playoffs are still in reach. So these are two similarly flawed teams that still have a lot to play for. You've got Andy Dalton back in the lineup. So, you know, the quarterback play should be better than what we've watched the last couple weeks. The defense has played better over the last couple weeks than it had been. So I'm not saying the Cowboys are going to win, but if this is a team that's capable of making the playoffs and winning the NFC East, they should be capable of either beating Minnesota or, or, you know, at least pushing Minnesota to the brink. And if they can do that, that gives me a lot of confidence because they still get to play all three of their NFC East rivals down the stretch. So if they can keep it close with Minnesota or maybe beat Minnesota, they should be good enough to beat Philly, New York, and Washington, maybe sneak a win over a San Francisco or somebody like that. So how they how they play on Sunday, I think, is going to tell us a lot about whether they can stay in the race for the next month or whether they drop out. David, we definitely appreciate your time, and hopefully we get a good one on Sunday. That would be great. I appreciate it, y'all, anytime. Big thanks to Eric Smith for another fantastic interview. It's always fun to get the opposing side's point of view. Uh, before we get you guys out of here, reminder, Pro Bowl voting has begun. Fans can go to nfl.com slash pro dash bowl slash ballot. And I know what you're saying, Cy. That's an insane web address that I have to listen to you say. Correct you are, person with headphones on. So I'll give it to you one more time. Fans, go to nfl.com slash pro, P-R-O, dash, the, the symbol, not the word dash, bowl slash ballot. Huge shout out to whoever came up with that awesome piece of information. Uh, Jay put in the document the current players listed for fans to vote on. And guys, it's, it's everybody. Jay, I'm not going to read all these. You just listed the entire team. Everybody, <laughs> here's the thing. They're starters. They're available. I go out, vote for every Viking, vote for the players you love. I would really love. I, I, I mean, I know. I voted for Kirk Cousins like three times today. <laughs> that makes the most sense in the world, Chris. I, I'm going to stomp here a little bit for Brian O'Neill. Brian O'Neill has been fantastic since the moment he stepped into the starting lineup, and he's grown 
time and time and time again. And uh, this year, I absolutely believe he deserves a play bowl, uh, a Pro Bowl. Uh, let, let me let me let me be an adult and say that all better. Brian O'Neill needs to be in the Pro Bowl. Brian O'Neill should be a Pro Bowler. There's a lot of guys who should be Pro Bowlers, but I am going to stomp my foot week in and week out. Brian O'Neill needs to be a Pro Bowler. Go to that ridiculous web address I gave you and vote, 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 vote. Because this is an organization, Jay and Chris, who has, you know, its fans have sat here and dealt with offensive line concerns year in and year out and year in and year out. And now you got a stud that you drafted and he's improved every single moment of the way. Put this guy where he deserves, reward his hard work, and let's get Brian O'Neill and a bunch of other guys that I don't have time to get into right now in the Pro Bowl. Yeah, and I think Brian O'Neill, like you said, the best part is the consistency. He has been a bright spot here for the last couple seasons, and it would be deserving to get him out there, especially the way that things have shored up here working with Ezra Cleveland. I think it's a great moment, and it'd be great to see Brian get that shot and get that accolades here on a national stage. I, Jay, I, the fan base needs to know how hard Jay works to put our show together. He does an incredible prep document. It's really helpful. It helps me study to get ready to be medium as the host. Uh, I know it's hard work and I appreciate it. I am going to point out that he listed all the options and then he put some questions at the bottom. And his first one was, who's the pleasant surprise on the list? I don't know, Jay, the whole f- team every single guy it's every single guy is here so you know we're, we're obviously going to talk about we're going to talk about and shine a light on guys as this season goes and as we get closer to the to the final uh, opportunity to vote we'll, we'll take a little time each week breaking down who we think deserves to be there because the shortness of time today we're gonna we're gonna send you off after brian o'neill and whoever you think should be in. And then uh, week in and week out, we'll keep talking about this. For me, the the best part is knowing that Van in Fort Worth, Texas, who is the biggest Vikings rube down in the Dallas area, he's the one that always hits me up every single time we play the Cowboys just to say, what do we got? I know that he's going to be mashing on this list and voting for all of his Vikings for this game. And, and I'm hoping that uh, for me, when I put this on here for the pleasant surprise, I think it would be great, like you said, for Brian O'Neill. But I also think for me, I'd like to see Bra- uh, Garrett Bradbury just with the level of play that he's had, especially yes. the second chunk. I, I think a guy like Garrett, again, should be getting this kind of accolades because I think on a national stage, he's definitely uh, a bright spot for this team. But I also think that Garrett is, is going to be known nationally and recognized as he continues here with his career. Couldn't agree more. Uh, before we get into final thoughts, check out this week's episode of Under Center with Kirk Cousins with special guest and time for two more Hall of Famer, Bob Hagen. Kirk and Mark wanted to get Bob on since he was one of Sid's closest personal friends at Sid Hartman, of course, to help talk about what Sid meant to him and the organization. Uh, Tuesday night, 6 p.m., KFAN, or you can download it on all your podcast programs and applications. Check out Skull Stories Thursday night. Mark Rosen and Pete Bursich check in with former Viking center Jonathan Sullivan. Sully talks about his fond memories playing here in Minnesota, the current state of the Vikings team, and his miraculous workout transformation since moving on to the next phase of his life. Thursdays, 6.30 p.m., KFAN 100.3, or once again, wherever you listen to podcasts. 
And make sure you tune into Vikings Post Game Live every single week, 15 minutes after each game, live from inside U.S. Bank Stadium. You get a breakdown of the game, including highlights, stats, analysis, and more. Tune in on Vikings.com, the Vikings app, and all of our social media channels. Boys, we got the one we needed to get. Now we need to get one that people think we're supposed to get. This is an opportunity for us to get back to 500 and walk the rest of the season going forward. Uh, what's your last thought as we walk away, Jay? The way that you've handled this the last three weeks and taking away the one or two things that they absolutely find critical to function for the other team, Dallas is in the same boat. We know the quarterback play has been shaky. Like Carso said, Zeke Elliott is going to be a key. We've shut him down last year. Do the same thing again this year. Just make him one-dimensional and then just squeeze like we did with all of the pressure that we had against Chicago this past weekend. Christopher Corso? Let's have Kirk go deep. Let's throw it deep. Let's just break all hell loose and just ha- and have a day. Have the offense go all out. I want to see this offense at its full potential, and that starts with letting the quarterback loose. So let's see what happens. I love it, Chris. I'm going to say we talk about this being a young group and we talk about the experience they're gaining and the improvements they're making. Uh, This was a young group that was one in five and uh, was surrounded in the negativity that exists when you're one in five. This is now a young group that is four and five, has won three in a row and is surrounded by all the positivity that's being heaped on them locally and nationally. And now you walk into a game that people feel like you should win. And like you said earlier in the show, Jay, no matter how much you try to block that noise out, the noise exists. Can this young group that's improving, can the DJ Wanams, the Jeffersons, the Mata'afas, the cornerbacks, the guys who are improving on a weekly basis and receiving credit for those improvements, can they focus on a game that now everybody feels like they should win? It's that classic trap situation. You ran off three in a row and you got a big Monday night game. I want to see our young guys and this group stay focused into this week's game because if they can stay focused into this week's game, that shows me they're going to be able to stay focused into the Panthers game and the Jaguars game, and that's what everybody's looking for. Everybody's looking to maintain that focus, rip off a few more here, and then play a game that we could have never dreamed of in the bye week. A 7-5 and five record against one of the best teams in football to see how you really stack up after this monstrous build back to restore your season. So I would like to see the young guys stay focused and committed and play really well on Sunday despite, you know, the idea that they might not be playing a top-level opponent. Uh, that's going to do it for us here on the Minnesota Vikings podcast for Chris Corso Jay Nelson. Thank you guys so much. We will see you next time.